0: Well, good morning. Well, I thought we would look at the passage in Acts that was read just a moment ago by Joe. I think it's wonderful as we see Paul preaching good news in an area where he didn't necessarily plan to be, but he preaches this wonderful message. Since Christ is risen, we have compelling invitation. We actually have something to say in Paul's words. And the same is true for us. The Acts passage, it actually reminds us of how the English reformers viewed evangelism. That word is evangelism. They had a slightly different word. They used the word allurement. This was an important change in the time because the message of the medieval church, which the reformers were hoping to reform, was... You better get your act together. You better be good enough or else God's going to be angry and he's going to spite you. Not a very good news, right? Get your act together or else. Sounds a lot like some religions in our society, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like Christianity in some places. It's not a very compelling invitation. It's based on fear rather than forgiveness and reconciliation and it fails to address the core human condition of sin and sin's ugly fruit, which is shame and fear and anger and pride and hatred. Sin, in short, is the outward act of disobedience. Or is it something deeper? Is it a condition, a condition of the human heart? Knoll, a modern-day theologian, said, according to Thomas Cramner's anthropology, what the heart desires, the heart will choose and the mind will justify. The mind doesn't direct the will. The mind is actually captive to the will and what it wants, and it will itself, in turn, is captive to what the heart wants. He goes on to say, The trouble with human nature is that we are born with a heart that loves ourselves over and above everything else in the world, including God. In short, we are born slaves to the lust of self-gratification. And that's why, if left to ourselves, we will always love those things that make us feel good about ourselves, even as we depart more and more from God and His way. You see, at the end of the day, no one can change their own heart. Our hearts are corrupt by nature, inclined to sin, full of sinful desires. Do you see that the invitation, clean up your act, because God is angry, is not a compelling invitation. It doesn't address the core problem. It only addresses the symptoms of shame, fear, anger, pride, and hatred. It can't actually clean you up. And from a human perspective, my condition is incurable. It's unreformable. I must be forgiven and made new. Clean up your act is in fact quite cruel to tell someone. But the English reformers wanted people of England to know Jesus, not as an angry tyrant, but as a good shepherd, a wonderful gardener as the vine in whom we can safely abide, as a merciful Savior who loves us and gave himself and bled and died for us, actually in our place, in the midst of our own horrible condition. While we were still sinners, the Scripture says Christ died for us. He is the God who justifies the ungodly. He is the God who doesn't simply address the symptom of the human condition, but he he addresses the core of the problem, by forgiving us, and then replacing our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and that's ready to trust God, and then we can love our neighbor as ourselves. So the Reformers showed people the beauty of God, that he allures us with gentleness and love, and that he addresses the core of our condition through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Like Jesus, like Paul, and like the early church, and like Peter, as we see in our sermon in Acts 2, and like Augustine, and like the Reformers, our posture toward unbelievers and each other must be a loving invitation into something good and beautiful. It's not about control or judgment. It's not about winning arguments or debates. Sharing the good news of Jesus is not about manipulation, emotional or otherwise. It's not about salesmanship. Ours, our message, our evangelism, our allurement, if you will, is invitation. Here's our compelling invitation. Here's the allurement. Come, be God's beloved together with us. Come, be forgiven and reconciled to God and each other. It's an invitation to a party. Come join us at a dinner party with an merciful graceful host that will last forever. It's an announcement of good discovery. We have found something better, or actually someone better has found us. It's an invitation into a good family with a good, good father. Galatians 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Come, join the family is the invitation into resurrection life. This was Paul's approach in Athens. His invitation was one of allurement towards someone beautiful. His name was Jesus. And it was spontaneous. Paul didn't make an evangelizing the Athens people a program. He didn't drive a grand plan to go convert the people of Athens. He simply found himself there, had a layover of sorts, as he was waiting for the next missionary journey he was there in Athens. And while he was there, the Scripture says the most beautiful thing. His spirit was provoked. And when he saw the overwhelming idolatry of the Athens culture, he, so he went into their synagogues like he always did. He went into their marketplace like he always did. And he began to preach Jesus and their resurrection. And then he was invited into the dialogue, to give a TED talk about Jesus, if you will, with the thoughtful leaders and the philosophers and the influencers of the culture. And none of this was planned. Paul was just ready with the talk. It was intentional, but it wasn't calculated. It was spontaneous. It was the result of saying yes to the Holy Spirit. You see, presence plus time plus love equals Opportunities to extend a compelling invitation and introduce people to Jesus. Living this way, the normal Christian life, if you will, will always allow us opportunities to give a reason for the hope that is in us, to introduce people to the love of God through Jesus. All right, enough about the invitation. What is the invitation Paul's message was basically this. People of Athens, there's something better. Turn away from those gods that you made with your own hands and that are actually made in your own image and turn towards someone who made you and loves you and lived for you and bled for you and died for you and rose again for you and intercedes right now as we speak for you. You can't Trust your idols you've made, because they'll only pull you deeper into your soul. In Rome, because they are angry, manipulative gods who have a cold heart towards you and want to get something out of you. Turn away from those gods that don't satisfy and can't heal or forgive, and turn towards the one who does satisfy and will heal and forgive. Turn away from those things you named and turn toward the one who named you. He named you beloved. Friends, Paul's speech is not just for them. It's also for us today. Athens' brands of idolatry look much different than our brand, I know. But make no mistake, just like the ancient Athens, our problem is idolatry as well. Our hearts are idol-making factories. Productivity and success is one of our idols. Lifestyle and how we put present ourselves. Religion of money and the religion of sex and power is an idol of ours. Idol of self. My old, old problem is that I want to be God. It's the one from the beginning of time. It's what Eve struggled with. We're all turned in on ourselves, and we make all kinds of things idols. Our children, our jobs, our bank accounts, our controlling of other people. You can't trust those things. Your idols, well, they don't love you. Your idols have cold bronze hearts towards you. Your idols have not and will not give themselves for you. Your idols demand sacrifice after sacrifice from you until they kill you. My bank account does not love me. My lifestyle does not love me. My desire to manipulate and control other people, especially my family members, well, it's destroying me and them. Men and women of Athens and of Trinity, there's something better. And there's someone better. There's someone more fulfilling than those idols that let you down all the time. And that, in fact, lead to death rather than life there's someone better than a health bank account there's someone better than finding your identity and your job or the next deal there's someone better than the lifestyle that you have achieved and that you're terrified you might lose there's someone better than your deep insustainable desire for mastery and control over everything in your life someone better than the things that drive you deeper into yourself. The better? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus is the someone better, and he didn't cre- we didn't create him. He actually created us, and he loves us, and he has a warm, soft heart towards us, even in the midst of our horrible condition, and he gave himself for us, and while we were still sinners, he bled and died for us for our salvation. he is alive. So here's the invitation. The one who does satisfy and is worthy to love and care for, you, is actually closer than you can imagine. And though our sin is great, his love for us is greater. He pulls us towards himself. He pulls us in. He makes us new creatures. He makes us presentable. He takes those old things that are destroying us and gives us himself. And he wants to meet you right now in whatever idol is controlling you. Name it. Say it out loud. And then ask Jesus to set you free and to become your wonderful creator and savior and sustainer and forgive her. Fall. Fall into his invitation. Let go and be loved. Amen.